All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome to the DFO Rundown Podcast with Frank Saravalli and Jason Greger on dailyfaceoff.com. Delivered by DoorDash. Welcome to episode 85, the Peter Klima edition of the DFO Rundown. I'm Jason Greger alongside Frank Saravalli. Frank, how you doing? I'm good. Did anything happen this weekend? Oh, geez. Lots of... Uh, Lots going on, man. Uh, Peter Klima ties into a lot of different topics that we want to uh, to touch on. That's a name yeah. I haven't heard in like 20 years. Dude, still one of the greatest lines ever. You know when he scored that huge goal in the 1990 Stanley Cup Finals? After no, I don't. Bench for, and uh, he was asked about it. He just says, you need a pretty long stick to score from the bench. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's still a classic. And he had one of the greatest slash worst helmets of all time. That's what I always remember about Peter. He was- uh, the only thing I remember about Peter Klima is like NHL 94 playing for the Tampa Bay Lightning, him and Darren Poopa. Yeah, he had six skill when he wanted to be, man. Oh, he was a talented dude. Talented guy. Um, the Vancouver Canucks, Frank, they uh their coaches you had everything out um in the public, you know, before the Canucks announced anything from their head coach and, and all of it was accurate. So what what do you make of that? Is that is that just today's uh, day and age and you know, great insiders, or is is that an error on the part of the Canucks? I I Honestly, I'm kind of for, for a move that we knew wasn't surprising. Like we had sensed was coming. I'm surprised how it played out and that it still was rather sloppy. <laughs> and in, in calling around to people around the league, as it was happening, they were like, yeah, what do you like? This is just another day that ends in Y for the Vancouver Canucks organization. Um, 
I, I think maybe what's most fascinating is that since, since management is not the one that hired Bruce Boudreaux, it's the fact that ownership feels compelled or has the ability or the wherewithal or the knowledge to feel like they can go out and hire a coach in the marketplace. And that would be a major red flag or alarm for me if I was the next general manager to be going into Vancouver is why is it that ownership is hiring a coach? That, that seems to be, you know, one step out of place. And look, I, I, you know, I get it. They own the team, they foot the bill, they can do whatever they want. It just, for a team that's had a reputation for an ownership that meddles in their day-to-day operations, Francesco Aquilini has not been a stranger to come down to the locker room between periods every now and again, things like that. I don't know. It leaves kind of an uneasy feeling. I think if you were to be the person that's going in there next, it's a fair point. And we should probably recap the changes just in case anyone's listening and is either just getting it or, or just understanding what's happening. The Canucks wholesale changes overnight. Uh, Jim Benning, the GM, the assistant GM, John Weisbrod also out head coach, Travis green out along with assistant, Nolan Baumgartner. And what's significant to your point, Jason, is that all of this was announced or broken with the beginning of the next coach of the Vancouver Canucks is going to be Bruce Boudreaux, which again, it just seems out of place. Yeah, that that part I found uh, quite odd. Now, good for Bruce. One of the greatest uh, memes in NHL history online. Absolutely love it. The darn. Which one? There's so many. He's got so many. And Bruce is, well, we've had Bruce on the pod here. He is, he is such a character. Um, you know, it was interesting last week he, he was on and uh, not our pod, but, uh, and he was asked about, you know, would you be open to coaching? He's like, man, I've always wanted to coach in a Canadian market and I love Vancouver. And so I, I remember reading his response. I was like, hmm, like, obviously you put your name out there, but it, it seemed like really directly related to Vancouver even a week ago. So obviously there might've even been some discussions maybe then, like I doubt this is a a 24 hour conversation. Do you? No, I mean, the rumor the entire time was the Vancouver Canucks had already had their next coach lined up before they got back from their road trip. And I think the problem was they had won two games in a row to close out the trip uh, in Eastern Canada. And all of a sudden, you know, n- not anyone's thinking that this team's going to go on a run, but it maybe felt like a little bit of an odd time getting your first back-to-back wins in six weeks to then fire Travis green as soon as the team gets home. And I think what you saw play out on Saturday night against Pittsburgh, just a lifeless listless loss. And you see the fan throw the Jersey on the ice, the fire Benning chant, the sell the team chant, uh, all that stuff. I think you know, plays into something that's set in motion on Sunday, feeling like they had to pull the trigger and get something done. Now, what's interesting to me about Boudreaux is this is sort of a temporary audition. He's the interim guy without really being the interim guy because he only has basically now a year and a half, a year and three quarters on his contract. That's all that he's signed up for in Vancouver. And so, um, you know, it's interesting at 66, maybe he's it's something soon to be 67 that he's comfortable with, you know, saying, look, at this stage of my career, I just want to get back behind the bench. I don't care how long my contract says, but basically you're 
coming in knowing that, you know, your shelf life or your expiration date may be coming up in short order, which some guys would find uncomfortable. Others would say, yeah, whatever. It doesn't matter to me. Yeah, I would think Bruce at his age and with his experience, he's like, man, you can get fired if you've got uh, two years left on a contract. You know what? Uh, he, I, I agree with you, Frank. I think this is one where, you know, because we talked about it with him and he said he wanted to get back into coaching. It's something he loves and cares about. So um, here's the thing. I think if if you look at this roster and if Bruce Boudreaux comes in and Vancouver has a better record than they had prior, which won't be overly difficult to achieve. And uh, they shouldn't be. And, and have a good year next year. Well, then, then it's probably easy. And, and you know, he goes for extension time tracks. Right. Yeah. Easy. So I, I and, and the other thing is to your original point, I don't it would be even harder, I think, to attract a GM and maybe not if the head coach had such a long tenure. At least this gives the option that the GM because, you know, the GM's going to come in here now. But they usually want their guy. That's the point is why are you already kind of not to say that. Bruce Boudreaux can't mesh with anyone, but why would you want to put a GM in a spot where one of the first things they want to do when they set foot in the door is to ax the coach? Yeah. Wow. Probably. Yeah. No, I agreed, which is why I think they gave him a short-term contract. So they'll say, Hey, let's work with this. There is only 32 NHL GM jobs at the end of the day. And I think that uh, there'll be a lot of people interested, which leads me to the next question, Frank, who's who's at the top of the list for GMs. I guess it depends on how you want to structure your organization. Like, are we going back to the president of hockey ops? Are we going all encompassing GM who is sort of the one man in charge? Like it's certainly been the, you know, it's been en vogue to, to be hiring the president of hockey ops of late. You see Montreal, this is actually the second week in a row, second Sunday in a row that we had a GM change in the NHL. But to me, I mean, I think they've been in conversation with a number of different people that could facilitate that type of role in recent days and or weeks. Um, you know, I mentioned on the daily Faceoff show, the idea that I think Dale Talon's name had surfaced at a certain point, Jim Rutherford's name had surfaced at a certain point. It's always, you know, difficult to cut through fact and fiction when it comes to this. The Aquilini's play their cards pretty close to the vest, the Bruce Boudreaux news, notwithstanding. And, you know, I, I, I think that Chris gear is going to get a long look. I think Ryan Johnson, they're going to be involved in collaborating with Stan Smeal as the, he's the guy that's ultimately wearing the interim GM hat. And it's really in a lot of ways to quell some of the fears and or uh, cries in the market that, Hey, let's put someone who's a legendary player in our town. Let's put him in charge. And, and that'll calm things down for a little bit until we can get to where we want to, we want to go. Uh, but I do think that Ryan Johnson is, is really well-respected. He's been the GM in, in Abbotsford, uh, a younger guy that's sort of grown through the ranks with this team and organization. And, you know, I, I think he's going to get a long look. Do you put in someone in place in the, in the president of hockey ops job to help grow with him or do you just go out and, and hire someone, you know, sort of from the outside? I'd imagine um, there's been talk and I'm sure the rumors will grow loud of um, Toronto assistant general manager, um, Lawrence Gilman, who was previously there under the Mike Gillish regime. There was a report on Sunday night that the Vancouver Canucks could bring back former front office member, George McPhee. I don't have any knowledge of that to, to, to my understanding. I'm just 
kind of predicting the names that we'll likely hear and see out there at some point. Um, you know, a lot of people forget that George McPhee worked in the Canucks front office way back when. So I think there's lots of options. Mark Bergevin's name will probably surface at some point. My guess is him having worked in the Canadian market and having seen, uh, you know, getting it in two languages, it might seem like a treat just getting it in one at a certain point. But I, I don't know. My guess is he'd probably be destined for somewhere in the U.S. after taking a little time for himself. What about the two senior advisors to the general manager currently in Vancouver and Henrik and Daniel Sedin? Uh, not as GMs. I don't think they have enough experience. But do you think there's a chance as, as co like, do you see their role expanding with this change? I don't. Not for now. Um, they're really just getting their feet wet. And they were obviously interesting additions to the staff. And I think everyone was kind of curious what it would be like and what it would ultimately grow towards. I think they still have young families, um, still understanding how the front office side of things works. I don't see it yet, but I think, you know, maybe it sounds weird to say it like this, but maybe one more cycle through that, then they might be ready, but I don't think they're there yet. Uh, I, I wonder because you the temperature in Vancouver is pretty hot right now. The fan base is upset. Uh, yeah, but sure. it'll it'll it cools off in oh, a hurry though. I, I get it, but I just sometimes you know people nowadays look for um, for things that will will acquiesce people that are being frustrated and calm them down. And I look at the uh, I'm not even sure if acquiesce. You, did you mean acquiesce? Yeah. What, what was it? Yeah, I don't know. It's terrible. Acquiesce. I like what? Yeah, that's a new one for me. Yeah, they're trying to calm down the waters. <laughs> Uh, I was trying to mix. I'm pulling the strutty right there. I'm just mixing up words that aren't even. I love it. Uh, early in the morning. And um, I, I just wonder if you see some sort of title change, Frank, that makes. Oh, the Sedins are more involved because they are so respected in that fan base. Not so much for what they did off the ice as much, but also everything they do in that community. They're beloved and rightfully so. I know. And so I wonder from a PR standpoint, if you see even a subtle change in, in what their role is and how that's perceived in Vancouver. It's a dumb thing, but like, what would you even call their titles? Like, could they be co-general man? Like, I, like, what would that well, ultimately about, look yes. like? You can't do one and not the other. Just like you can't put one in the Hall of Fame without the other. So, I don't know. It's uh, I'd be surprised if there's a significant change. I'll put it that way. Okay, and uh, just just to clarify, it's currently a uh, seven nineteen Mountain Time, nine nineteen uh, Eastern Time. And the Vancouver Canucks website still has all of the play, all Jim Benning and everybody, Travis Green. They're all still on the website, which is a little, uh, a little odd, but uh, nonetheless. Yeah, tell their webmaster to get after it. Yeah. So it's just kind of, you know. Even though all, it's 6 a.m. in the morning Pacific you know, time. But yeah. they had it, you know, when this announcement came out, man, it was coming out at like 8 o'clock. Yeah. So they, I mean, time, they, so. it, this, it was very, I got to tell you from a reporting spec perspective, it was, this was a wacky one to work on because everyone went dark. I don't know if they had threatened people in terms of their contracts. Hey, we won't, I, I don't, I'm just speculating, but usually at some point, especially given the number of bodies thrown on the tarmac here, at some point, one of them surfaces and says, you know, at least privately off the record, quietly to someone, yes. I was fired and, you know, here are the other people that are going with me. It never happened. 
Like there were, you know, you could go back and look at all the reporting. It was very quiet in terms of primary sources. I think a lot of people had very similar info and were told similar things, but, you know, uh, as a reporter, death and firings, two things I don't mess around on. So, um, you know, wasn't going to step out on the ledge, even though those were the four guys that I'd heard maybe an hour or an hour and a half before it came out just doesn't work like that. Yeah. Well, Frank, the interesting thing for me, I wasn't really on social media yesterday. Um, and when I got to the Oiler game and I'm sitting there and I pop up and I see Friedman saying that Bruce Boudreaux is the new coach of Vancouver. And I was like, Oh gee, I didn't even hear they fired their coach. So yeah. then I go back and they I'm didn't. looking and I'm like, yeah. well, no one has it. They fired their other coach. It's just that Bruce is the first coach and you <laughs> did it. And I was just like, what the hell is going on here? It's just, it's it was very odd to me. But I, like I said, as I called around, people were saying this was the common refrain. Just another day that ends in why. Why would this day be any different than any other for the Vancouver Canucks and how they do business? That was the answer. And, and I got to tell you, checking in with players on the team, they were none the wiser, like new and were told nothing. This is hours after everyone is reporting, you know, their GM has been fired, their coach has been fired. They only got a text message at a certain point that said, hey, here's what time we're meeting tomorrow and here's what time morning skate is. Like, like nothing ever happened. Mm, that's odd. So now let's speak about the players. Cause I think if you look collectively at that group, they would say to a man that they've underachieved that this, this team should be better than where they currently are in the standings on paper, Bruce, Bruce. Yeah. On paper. So Bruce Boudreaux comes in. Do you, did you hear from anyone? Like, was there a disconnect? Did this coaching change need to be made? Was, was the coach a part or a significant part of the underachieving early on this season of the Vancouver Canucks? Well, I think through, first off, there was a lot of finger pointing. Like it had clearly gone to a dark place in that when you hear Travis Green at a certain point in a press conference says, well, this is what we have. That's a pretty clear indictment of the general manager and the, the team that he's built. Him essentially throwing his hands up and saying, I can only play the hand that I'm dealt. And then I think, you know, you look at it from the general manager perspective and, and they're like, well, we have Elias Pettersson, we have Brock Besser, we have Bo Horvat, JT Miller, Connor Garland, all these goals. We're not scoring. We play with no confidence. We can't defend worth a lick. And our goaltender, who was one of the best goalies in the league, has been left out to dry more nights than not. So they're looking at it saying, well, is there something that we could change in our structure, our system? How, how do we go about this? And they, they clearly weren't on the same page. So that's part of it. But what I think what this coaching change tells me is that the big focus for the Canucks has to be on getting Pedersen going. And I think that's sort of the one thing you look at with Bruce Boudreaux and you go back and you, you go through his career. He's played the wheels off of his stars. Oh, yeah. Alex Ovechkin in Washington, go to Anaheim, Ryan Getzlaff and Corey Perry. Like, he has found a way to squeeze all the offense that he can out of his teams. His teams are generally really good in the neutral zone. Um, you know, it's been a while since the Canucks have had a real offensive minded push or focus. And so what I see in the coaching change and the reason to make the coaching change, if you're, if you're going to sit in the ownership chair and say, I'm going to go out and hire my coach, 
even before I have a general manager, that it would be to get and figure out what you have in, in Pedersen. Is he as good as the player that we saw in his entry-level contract? Is he not quite as good? And we just, you know, what we saw was an aberration or is it somewhere in between? Um, and so I think that's the key question that you have to answer. And I think that's why even in what looks like a lost season to everyone on the outside, that there's still a lot to figure out this year. Oh, hundred percent. They're a team that's got to go better, which leads me to the obvious next question. Uh, we've gotten uh, two bloody Sundays in a row, if we want to call it that with uh, Montreal and Vancouver. And I look around the league, Frank, and you know, I, I see a team, you know, the Islanders, I don't think they're ready yet to, to pull the pin um, on, on their coaching staff just yet. But in your city, do you think there's any, is, is Elaine Vigneault, because um, a lot of people thought the the, the Flyers would, would be more competitive than they've been. I, I know it's sometimes easy to just blame the coach, but do you think he's on thin ice or a hot seat? I do. Uh, I think the temperature has risen significantly. I think you look at that loss to the Tampa Bay Lightning on Sunday night. Awful. Um, and this is a hard team to figure out because I think you go back to last season and you say, uh, well, you know, there were a lot of oddities to the year. You know, COVID, Carter Hart's out of his routine, you know, doesn't look good, can't get a stop, our goaltending stinks, we have a lot of injuries, we didn't adequately replace Matt Niskanen, our defense isn't any good, we gave up way too much off the rush. Let's go out and make a whole ton of changes. And the Flyers did. Um, Huge changes in terms of their roster construction. They've dealt with a lot of injuries this year. But that's not an excuse. I mean, so, so yes, they've missed Hayes. They've missed, you know, Ellis for a couple games. We're still lining for a few. But I don't think anyone expected the Flyers to be where they are in the standings. You know, just ahead of the New York Islanders, they've lost eight in a row in early December. And teams that I think they thought they should be head and shoulders above, the New Jersey Devils, the Columbus Blue Jackets, even the Pittsburgh Penguins, are all significantly ahead and the flyers have the second worst goal differential in the division. So all I can tell you is this, I'm never really one to sit here and, and bang the drum for a coaching change. I think it's the easy way out, but I think the flyers have been stuck in this Elaine Vino mode for a while where they feel like they're stuck with him because one, his contract was massive. Yes. Five years, $25 million. He, you know, he still has 12 and a half or so million dollars to go. He's just about halfway through the deal. So I think the flyers have resisted change for that part of it. They've resisted change because they didn't want to let the players off the hook, but there's no love lost there between the flyers players and Elaine Vino. Like this was a coaching change that could have happened and maybe should have happened at the end of last season. And I know everyone would say, well, he still didn't even get a full 82 game season yet. Give him some rope. And I can tell you from talking to flyers players and, and multiple, some, you know, this is also going back to last year. Some of them whom are no longer there. They feel like Elaine Vino is arrogant, doesn't communicate well, and is someone that, you know, for whatever reason, doesn't, spend a lot of time communicating with his players and they feel like it's a me first approach instead of a team first approach. Now, 
The other part of it is that the Flyers have two really experienced assistant coaches in Mike Yo and Michelle Terrian. And I think the players look around and they say, these are two guys that have previously been head coaches in the league. Who exactly is doing the work here? Mm. So I think there's a lot of finger pointing in terms of, you know, is everyone on the same page? Is anyone actually putting in the work? Um, and the Flyers are stuck in this spot where they're, they, they've got a lot of work to do. Like this season is kind of swirling down the drain at this point, given where they are in the standings. Yeah, it's interesting when you said uh, the Flyers were uh, just ahead of the Islanders. If that if that had been a normal season, I think they'd say that was great because a lot of people thought the Islanders would be at the top of the division. But when the Islanders are at the bottom of the division, it doesn't read nearly as well as you would hope. And, you know, it's funny, Frank, I, they're just listening to the comments from afar about the Flyers. I thought they what you said, I thought at the end of last year, I'm like, man, the players and the coach don't seem to be on the same page. And, and communication is such a key in, in today's game. And and uh, I'll be, you know, Michelle Terrian, geez, every time I think of Terrian, I just think of him ripping the uh, Pittsburgh defense. Uh, way, way back in 2006. In 2000s. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, they say they care, but they don't care. Like, oh my God. It's one <laughs> it was of one of, that was one of the great all-time press conferences. Oh, so awesome, man. <laughs> oh, I still laugh about it, but. They'd lost, they'd lost to the order, so I get why it was frustrated because the orders were terrible that night. Yeah, that, that team was a bunch of stiffs. Yeah, or that decade, I guess we could say. Yeah. But um, you look at it now, and I think players require communication now more than ever. And, and communication can be direct. It can be like, hey, Pete, you need to do this. You're not playing well. End of discussion. Here we go. But if you don't say anything, right, that's that's not going to work. So I'm curious about the Flyers. That market has always been one where, you know, they demand uh, that they should be better. And I think a lot of people, Frank, like you go back and I know it was in the bubble, but Philly was the number one seed going to the bubble in, in 2020. That's not long ago. And, and since then, like the wheels have just fallen off. It's really surprising. Like, I don't know. Last year, I had the Flyers as the most disappointing team in the NHL. And I get that COVID and people react differently, but now that's extended into this year. To me, it's a, that's just an extension of them being a big underachiever now for the past, you know, full, whatever, how short last year was, it's still 56 games. Plus this year, they got to be right up there for the most disappointing team based on the talent that they have. Yeah. I mean, their points percentage, the last two seasons now, including the, the shortened year last year is it starts with a four. Oh. So it's, it's enough of a sample size to say, Hey, wait a second. There's something that's off here. And I know why the flyers haven't wanted to, but I just think it might be time. And, you know, you, you talk about a demanding fan base. I saw a, an interesting tweet. Um, there was, there's a statue of Ed Snyder outside of the, the flyers arena. And it's actually right when you come out the doors as you're heading to the parking lot. And I had a, I saw a fan tweet on, on Sunday night. You wouldn't believe how many fans walked by on their way to the car, begging for Ed to do something, because that's just something that would have happened uh, at, at a certain point. And I think part of the frustration with the Flyers fan base is that they feel like this team has lost a bit of its identity since their owner died, since Comcast took over. It feels at times a little bit like a soulless corporate faceless franchise that um, doesn't have the same intensity, the same hunger to, and will to win as it previously did. And I think it's been off-putting for a lot of people in the marketplace that were used to that passion and that drive for so long that I don't think anyone would have stood for something like this. Let's bring in Tyler Remchuk. We're all going to talk about the Leafs in the wild uh, after, but uh, let's bring in uh, Tyler now. Ty, how you doing, man? 
I'm doing fantastic, and I'm locked and loaded with another edition of Buy or Sell. It's brought to you by our friends over at DoorDash. Ding dong, deliver DoorDash for dinner tonight. Use the promo code RUNDOWNDD. 25% off, no delivery fees on your first order. You like that ding dong, hey, Frank? Yeah, it was, it was <laughs> nice touch. Hey, you know what, Tyler? I'm a, we could have a whole episode on people's phobia of ringing doorbells in 2021. <laughs> God, I didn't know. What? That, no, it doesn't happen like they, they come to your house and they just knock. I'm like, ring the damn doorbell. If I'm downstairs, I'm not going to hear it. God, it annoys me. But anyway. Wait, uh, I have a confession to make. Should I do it now or after the bio? No, do it now. Do it now. Okay, okay. So I made fun of you last episode about the pineapple barbecue oh, yeah. sauce pizza. Mm-hmm. Just for just for shits and giggles on Sunday night, I I ordered one just to see what it would be like, and I ate the first slice and I was like, oh god, this is gross. And then I was like, wait a second, that Gregor might be right. Uh-huh. And I, I I had a few more slices. I was like, you know what? Like, I went bacon, pineapple, and barbecue sauce instead of tomato sauce, and it was it's a game changer, man. Not too shabby. There you go. Uh, so yeah, I just I, want to get that off my chest. You know, yeah. I, I, hey, honesty, I apologize. I, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not totally converted, but I could see why people like it. Hey, we're in a safe place here. You can I'm a traditionalist. Open yeah. things up. I love it. All right. Let's, uh, let's jump into things here. Uh, I'm setting the line at two and a half more coaching changes this year, more than two and a half coaching changes. Frank, you buying or selling on that before the end of the regular season, more coaching changes or what yeah. we've seen already. More like two and a half more between now and the end of the regular season. Uh, I am going to take the under. We, we already know that Dominic Ducharme is safe and is, is mm-hmm. finishing out the year. Don Granado is not going anywhere in Buffalo. Detroit's been pretty good. Ottawa is a possibility. Arizona, no. Andre Tournier, first year. Seattle, no. First year. Vancouver already did it. LA, no. San Jose, no. Vegas, maybe. I could see the Pete DeBoer experiment going off the rails at a certain point, but I, you know, some would argue that they've actually been pretty good given what they've had to deal with. Right. I'm going to go under. I think uh, Vino and, and Ottawa is the only other one that maybe would make a change. I think they look at their season and um, you know what? Uh, when you're a part of a rebuild, uh, having watched it up close for that long, when, when you put all your young guys in all key positions and you don't surround them with any veterans, you don't win. I don't care how talented your young players are. It's still not a young, like you can have young stars, but you need a lot of guys to support them. So maybe those two. So that's still under. By, by the way, the other one that I will throw out there, if they somehow go into some, you know, death spiral, I, I would think that Bruce Cassidy in, in Boston would might be on the hot seat. Now, does this this doesn't include after like before July first? No, it? no, we'll we'll, we'll okay. end it at the regular season. Yeah, okay. yeah. Um, you know, we see it all the time where the team fires a coach and they get a big spark out of it. Uh, with this Canucks team, they have fifty seven games left. So I'm going to give you another over under question. Uh, over under fifty seven points in those fifty seven games for the Vancouver Canucks, Jason. I'll go over. I think Vancouver's underachieved big time. Just to be a 500 team isn't that hard in today's NHL, to be honest. So if if they can't be 500 in points percentage, then they're more terrible than I thought. So no, I think they'll I think they'll be well above that. I would say they'd be in the, they'll be in the 60s, maybe maybe even pushing high 60s. So 57 plus the 18 they currently have would bring them to 75. The over under for the season when it started in Vegas was 88 and a half. <laughs> I say they're 
under that 57. I just think that there's, I don't know that a coaching change is going to quickly right some of their wrongs. I don't have a lot of faith in the way that their defense is built. And if you can get Pedersen going great, but I also think that they might have a couple interesting decisions to make at the trade deadline. One team that doesn't need to make any changes right now. It's the Minnesota wild. And you guys mentioned it. You want to talk about that big win over Toronto after this, but uh, the wild as the best team in the Western conference, I'm talking like a team that can be number one in the West when the regular season's done. You buying or selling on that idea, Frank? Buying. And here's why. I don't think everyone realizes how well or how strong they were start to finish last season. Um, You know, that's a team that, you know, was competitive all year long, took Vegas to game seven, I don't know. I, I see the Minnesota wild as a legitimate, legitimate Stanley cup contender. It's hard not to like the wild right now. Like I don't, I, I don't see any glaring weakness or it's not like they're running on this hot streak of, of riding a specific player or, you know, ridiculous yeah. special teams. They're just solid. I give bill Garen a lot of credit, man. Like it, you know, Frank alluded to earlier about, you know, bringing in GMs with experience. Hey man, um, maybe, maybe you give a guy now bill had some assistant GM experience, of course, but you know, I I think the, the NHL at times is guilty of always recycling the same old, give some guys a a new opportunity and you'll see what they can do at the right time. So I like the wild a lot. It's they're not riding anything hot. So you know what? Uh, I would buy on that for sure. I like the wilds team for the first time in decades, man, like the wild are a team that bill Guerin's done the impossible. He (laughs) has shed the image that the wild are boring. The Minnesota mile when he was on the pod, he talked about, he's like, yeah, we got to get rid of that and give him credit, man. He has like, you watch the wall. I watched that Toronto wall game. Like you couldn't have paid me to watch a Minnesota game years ago. Now I actually find myself channel surfing to find the wild. I would say one thing that they could potentially boost their, their team one spot. And they've been, what's been interesting about their group is they've been super balanced. Like you look at, they have 12 scorers with at least 10 points on their team. That's crazy. Um, I would say the one sort of glaring weakness they have, and I would have been surprised to say it heading into the season, knowing how many teams liked him is in backup goal. Capo Kakinen sub 900 save percentage. Cam Talbot has gotten the lion's share of the workload, 18 of the 24 games. But Kakinen sub 900, I'd circle that as a potential spot where the Wild might want to consider upgrading. Connor McDavid got a little wild in the game last night between the LA Kings and the Edmonton Oilers. See what you did there. Yeah, yeah. He uh, gets a five minute major. We don't see a lot of five minute majors for boarding in the NHL, which I actually think is a bit of a problem. Uh, But did McDavid deserve a five minute major for that hit, Frank? He deserved a five minute major for loss of control and temper. It was stupid. Um, does the hit itself deserve five minutes? I think yes. Um, I think yes on five minute major, no on suspension. Okay. And I think you issue the penalty during the game, which I think that's the way it should work. It, they should get the call right the first time so that they don't feel like they need to tack on extra supplemental discipline for finishing the game. Yeah, the hit drew blood in the face as Campy as he smashed into the uh, um, extension in the glass. 
Um, that's a penalty. And, and I have been pushing for this for years. Just call it every time. That To me, the only frustration is, is that they will call that against the, the league's best player when he delivers it, which I'm totally fine with. But you don't call it regularly enough, right? Just call the hits mm-hmm. from behind and they'll eliminate themselves from the game. The problem is they keep allowing these to stick around. So it's the right call. Just make it more consistent. I think the other part for me is the force of it. Like if that was Zach Cassian delivering the same hit, we're talking about a significant, significant injury probably. And because it's Connor McDavid, the force of it wasn't really that significant. And so that, I think that further, when you kind of go back and you reverse engineer, should this be a penalty or not? If it's someone else delivering it, it yeah, we're talking about a multi-game suspension probably. Well, he hit the stanchion, right? If you watch the replay, yeah. Kempe hit the stanchion. That caused the blood. I, if, if he's over six inches and there's no blood, I'm not sure. And and some people might not like that. Which, which again, might be part of the problem too. Like you just need to call the action and not the I, result well, almost, I, right? Hey, Ty, I'm with you, man. Yeah. And I think if they would just, hopefully this is the new standard. Mm-hmm. You did it against your best player. You said, okay, guess what? We're not picking sides here. Mm-hmm. We're going to call this regardless of who delivers it. If this is the new standard, I will applaud. But uh, color me, uh, color me doubtful, boys. I don't, yeah. uh, I don't see the NHL uh, consistently calling this. Sadly, fifth question, courtesy of our friends over at Points Bet, the New York Rangers—they got the best points percentage in their division, yet they're third on the Points Bet odds board to win that division at plus two fifty. The Rangers' ability to win that division this year, Jason, you buying or selling on it? Yeah, I'm selling, man. Uh, K- Carolina and Washington are pretty good. And, and Carolina has gone a little through of a funk. You know, they've lost mm-hmm. some of their defensemen to COVID. You know, Bear was out for a bit. Now Pesci's out. You know, those are some of their top guys. So um, I like the Rangers. I picked the Rangers to make the playoffs this year. They've, they've had a great turnaround season. But uh, Washington and Carolina, I think one of those two will trump them to finish first in the regular season. You know what's interesting? Um, my friend Micah. Blake McCurdy, ineffective math on Twitter. He has all this stuff modeled out in terms of, you know, it's a complex formula in terms of how his model is constructed, but it basically looks at, you know, your team on paper plus your last 10 and 20 games and different stats. And then it sort of projects and simulates out the rest of the season. He has the Rangers winning the division in his model uh, by less than a point. So he has Rangers one, Carolina two, a close second, and then Washington a bit back uh, in terms of points. So is it possible? Yes. Uh, my money would still be on Carolina because I, you know, for the reasons Jay mentioned, I just think that team's really good. Um, but New York has been a pleasant, pleasant surprise. There you go. That'll wrap up another edition of Buy or Sell brought to you by DoorDash. Well, hey, if Shesterkin's out for an extended period of time, Frank, that's a big loss, man. That guy's mm-hmm. been playing on. But they say he can be back in a week, so. Yeah, well, that's good because, yeah, any longer than that. And that was such a, I was watching that. It was such an odd injury. Like, no one really touched him. He just extended himself although he's flat on his back. And it clearly was his right leg somewhere. But, yeah, you hope he's not out. Now, uh, the Toronto-Minnesota game, you know, Minnesota gets up 3 nothing. The uh, the Maple Leafs uh, storm back. They tie it. They ended up losing that one. Then they go into Winnipeg on Blake Wheeler, a thousand game night, and uh, they end up losing. It, you know, teams are going to lose two in a row. I don't, I don't make much of of that. But the Minnesota Wild, Frank. I know we talked a little bit there with, with Tyler, but the Wild, and you know, it's funny. You got Florida, the Rangers, and the Wild right now as the three top teams in points percentage. And Florida, I think, was expected to be there. The other teams we thought would be competitive, I think we both picked them to make the playoffs. But 
Who's a bigger surprise or more impressive to you, the Rangers or the Wild? Probably the Rangers, because I thought the Wild had a chance to be really good. Um, I was unconvinced of the Rangers. And I think what's still amazing about the Rangers is that they've taken this huge step forward without really getting a lot more from Capo Caco or Alexi Lafreniere. And that's kind of been my big point for New York is what happens when those guys finally get going. I think, you know, we all were wondering heading into the season, can Adam Fox do it again? Like he could well win the Norris again. He's been that good for the New York Rangers. Chris Kreider has been unbelievable. 16 goals in 23 games. Like, this team has the top end firepower. They're getting the goaltending and they've got a Norris trophy winner on their blue line. Like there's a, there's not a lot to not like. It's just my question as you get to the playoffs is the depth. Do they have the depth scoring to continue in the playoffs? And that's sort of the one real question mark. Cause I think they're a bit top heavy. Yeah. I'll say this about the Norris, unless Kale McCarg misses too many games to injury. He's winning. He I'm with you. You watch him the way, the way he plays is ridiculous. Crazy how good he's been. But Hey, speaking of Colorado, I'm going to be, I'm going to be watching very closely on what Joe Sackick does in the next few months. Um, They need another goalie like Kemper. um, Frank, when he's healthy, he's a pretty good goaltender. He hasn't been able to stay healthy. That's been an issue for a few years. Their backup goalie right now is good enough. Now Colorado's making the playoffs. It's not that dire of a situation, but I wonder even if they go out to get a goalie who can be a one a for them, because there's not many legit starters available. You got flurry in Chicago. And then after that, like, you know, I don't think they're going to go after Varlamov potentially, right? They, they let him walk and he's got a long-term contract there. So I just, I wonder if a guy like Corpus Allo, who I don't think is the number one, but I think is a much better backup than what they currently have with the injury issues of Kemper. If Joe Sackick maybe jumps on a goalie market sooner than we thought. Yeah. I mean, for a lot of reasons, and it's not just for the backup spot. It's also like Kemper's in the final year of his deal and is a pending UFA. Like there's no guarantee that given the average season he's had, given the injuries that they even bring him back next year. So it's not even like you're worried about upsetting your, your number one guy. You, you, I think you have to look at this season for the Colorado avalanche. And you say, we're all hands on deck here. I hate the term all in, but we're going to do everything we can to give this team a chance to win. And if that includes bringing in a Marc-Andre Fleury on a temporary run, so be it. Um, I think that's one really intriguing situation. If you're sitting in Marc-Andre Fleury's world saying, Hey, I moved my family to Chicago, took a chance. It hasn't worked out. Uh, You know, I'm looking to set down roots somewhere. Don't know where it'll be man, it would be awesome to go take a run in Colorado and see if we could win. And and in a lot of ways, I feel like Mark Ronnie Fleury could be the modern day, the the 20 year later version of Ray Bork. This guy that's, you know, obviously has won a Stanley cup previously, but is sort of on this quest to, you know, regain or, 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 or be the center of, of attention as, as they win the cup. Like you think back to 2008, uh, 2009, when Pittsburgh went on their runs, it was about Sid and Malkin. And now, you you know, you think back to Pittsburgh's run, the back-to-back cups, and it was Matt Murray, the guy that at the end of the day was the one starting in net the night Pittsburgh won. 
I think there's this quest for Mark Andre Fleury, and I think a lot of people rooting for him around the league to go out and 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 win the Stanley Cup on his own merit. Well, uh, that would be an interesting one. Uh, now, Frank, I was I got another topic I want to get to, but I see you're on your phone. It looks like you're tweeting something. What's going on? Yeah, uh, some breaking news here as we're doing the pod. I'm told that the Flyers are making a coaching change. Elaine Vino is out, uh, still working on details as to who is coming in. Um, my sense is that uh, uh, one of their assistant coaches, Mike Yo, will be taking over on an interim basis. Don't know if that's the permanent full time, if he's the interim, but it seems like Yo at you know, is going to be the guy behind the bench, at least tonight, coaching the team. They're in a back-to-back scenario against the Colorado Avalanche. So, uh, you know what? We talked about this earlier in the pod that uh, we thought, hey, if there was one guy around the league who would be on a short list and you talked about how the, you know, the players and the coach, obviously it had some, uh, some good intel on that and it comes to be true within the actual pod. So that's a first on the, uh, on the rundown that uh, what we talked about earlier actually happens before the pod's over. Um, I want to get you this one. I know it's very early, so I don't know if you've had any time to think about it, but a guy we just had on the show, Frank, uh, they just, they just honored him. He's on the wall of honor. He's beloved in Philadelphia. You, you said, yo, is an interim. I'm not sure he's the long-term answer. Maybe. What about a guy like Rick Tockett? Can he come home to Philly? Does that is now, is that just me connecting the emotional dots or do you think there's a shot? No, I think there's a real shot. Um, I think it's been pretty quiet up to this point, um, but I could think of no better fit for the Flyers. You talk about energy, you talk about communication. You know, he, he was on the pod a few weeks ago talking about how he communicates with players. You talk about connection to fan base that's something that would rejuvenate this fan base that would get people excited, uh, get people fired up. And I also happen to think Rick Tockett's a really good coach. So um, it's the perfect scenario, the perfect fit for me. We'll see what Chuck Fletcher's thinking. Well, Frank, clearly the, the ghost of Ed Snyder, uh, as people were flyer fans, some of them are going to be like, Ed, do something. Then it happened. They're going to be talking to Ed now all the time. Well, well they, they should. Cause the this, this, this team has not been the same since he passed. No, no, it's not good. Well, I know you got to get running Frank on that uh, quickly. One thing to look at this week, we'll find out how real the orders are. They take on the wild, the hurricanes, the Bruins and the Maple Leafs in their next four home games. And uh, we'll see uh, where it goes from there. They, they've got a lot to clean up five on five and their starts have been brutal uh, this season, which wasn't an issue the last two years. They had the ninth best uh, first goal scoring percentage in the NHL the first two years, but this year they've cratered to near the bottom of the NHL. And uh, it's a problem that has to be fixed. So we'll get on that. And I know you'll have more on the uh, the daily face-off show coming up at noon Eastern. This today. week, I'll be at the Board of Governors meetings as well in Florida. So I'll be doing the pod Friday from Florida. I'm sure there's going to be lots of Olympic talk and also talk about the Chicago Blackhawks and their fallout still. Yes. And maybe Jack Eichel early return. We'll get to all of that. Have a good one, Frank. Good work on the Vigneault break. Thanks for listening to the DFO Rundown with Saravali and Gregor. Keep it locked on dailyfaceoff.com and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. Delivered by DoorDash. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. All right, hockey fans, listen up, because we've got something special coming your way this playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and let me tell you, it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal. Every playoff game day, you're going to be faced with four questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle. And here's a sneak peek into some of those questions we'll be firing your way. First up, you got to pick the winning team. That sounds simple, right? But there's more. You got to decide if the total amount of goals in the game will be over or under a certain amount. And that's where the real strategy starts to kick in. Next up, you're picking who's going to find the back of the net first. And you're going to want to be careful because that's one that could be cooked early on in the game. And finally, you got to predict which period is going to be the highest scoring. Will it be a barn burner in the first, a shootout in the second, or a nail biter in the third? That's up to you to decide. Now let's talk about prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? For the daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards to treat yourself to some fresh nation gear, and you might even win a jersey from your favorite team. And for the big dogs, those who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. Play now at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess.